Podcast. I'm Allison Little, a best-selling author, keynote speaker, and award-winning entrepreneur who has built businesses and brands for the past decade. I'm passionate about helping high achievers launch to the next level. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Launch Podcast with Allison Little. Today's episode is called Leading Your Uncommon and Extraordinary Life with Terry Tucker. Terry has been an NCAA Division I college basketball player, a Citadel cadet, a marketing executive, a hospital administrator, an uncover narcotics investigator, a SWAT team hostage negotiator, a high school basketball coach, a business owner, a motivational speaker, an author, and most recently, a cancer warrior. He is a phenomenal man, a leader who just believes in the power of going to the next level of your life and really designing a life that you love. So welcome to the Launch Podcast, Terry. Thank you, Allison. Listening to you talk there, I kind of figure I better figure out what I'm going to do when I grow up. I love that experience. I've never had somebody with all those different experiences, but I think that probably brings you to who you are today, right? Because I'm sure you've taken things that you like and you don't like from each one of those experiences. I, I have. I, you know, I'm kind of one of those uh, individuals that is sort of a product of my parents. You know, my dad had my whole life planned out for me. So, you know, you're going to go to college, you're going to major in business, then you're going to go into business and, you know, you're going to get married, have 2.4 kids and live happily ever after. That was his dream for me. That wasn't why I was put on this earth. So, yeah, it, it, it is definitely something that, uh, you, you know, all those things were great because I experienced new things. I learned new things. I learned things about myself. I learned things about other people. But they certainly all kind of crystallized in, in 2012 when I developed this rare form of cancer. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And I'm so sorry to hear that. I understand that, um, you know, you've been going through treatments and you just had, you know, your story in, in just that experience alone could write 15 books about just kind of what you've learned about life and what's important and what's not important. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I'll, I'll give you a, a real kind of quick synopsis of, of kind of how all this came to be. So back in 2012, I was a high school girls basketball coach and I had a callus break open on the bottom of my foot. And I didn't think much of it since being a coach you're on your feet a lot. When it didn't heal, I went to a podiatrist, a foot doctor friend of mine, and he did, the, you know, let's put some pads in your shoes and all that stuff. And when that didn't work, he took an x-ray and he said, you know, I think you have a little cyst in here. And I did. And he cut it out and he sent it off to pathology. And as I said, he was a friend of mine. And, and two weeks later, I get the call. And the more difficulty he's having telling me what's going on, obviously, the more frightened I became until he just kind of laid it out. He said, Terry, you have this very rare form of melanoma that appears on the bottom of the feet or the palms of the hands. He said, I've been practicing for 25 years. I've never seen this form of cancer. So you need to go to MD Anderson down in Houston. I did do that, had two surgeries down there. And when that was done, when I healed, I was put on a drug called interferon. And I took a weekly interferon injection for almost five years. And I guess just imagine interferon gave me severe flu-like symptoms for two to three days after each injection. So I guess imagine having the flu every week for five years. And that's kind of what I went through. And then when that was stopped, the disease came back in 2017. 2018, I had my left foot amputated. 2019, two more surgeries, and then last year, an undiagnosed tumor in my ankle 
grew large enough that it shattered my shin bone, my tibia. And my only option at that point in time was to have my left leg amputated right in the middle of the global pandemic. And I also found out I had tumors in my lungs, which I'm actually being treated for now. So kind of in a very uplifting story. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) That is so hard. And it's just, I mean, the fact that you're smiling, like I know our listeners can't see your face and just like the light that's in your eyes and the smile that you have on your face and just the light that you're bringing into this conversation to know that you've gone through so many difficult and challenging days, right? And just in your health journey. And so through that journey, I'm sure that you have kind of reprioritized things in your life. What did you find out, you know, in this that really has helped you go to that next level? Well, I I think initially it's what I call the three F's, which were faith, family, and friends. And then probably more recently, I've taken that and maybe expanded on it a little bit with what I call my four truths. And and I'll give those to you. And I have those on a post-it note sitting right here on my desk. I see them every day. They're just one sentence each. But I use those along with, with my faith to kind of make my decisions on what should I do next? What projects should I get involved in? What should I do with my healthcare and things like that? So number one is you need to control your mind or it will control you. Number two is you need to, ex- to embrace the pain and the suffering that we all experience in life and use it to make you a stronger and more determined individual. And number three, and I've, I've recently added this one, there were originally just three, but I've, I've added this one because I think it's real important for people to kind of think about the end game, the end of their life. And this one goes, what we leave behind is what we weave in the hearts of other people. And then number four is, as long as you don't quit, you can never be defeated. And I recently had a nurse, uh, I'm on a clinical trial drug right now where I'm at the hospital for Monday through Friday, every day getting this drug and and it kind of beats me up. And I had a nurse say to me, Terry, you know, nobody think anything less of you if you quit, if you you got off this drug, just because it's, it's so hard on your body. And I tried to explain the four truths to her but I could tell I, I, I wasn't getting in, you know, I wasn't getting anywhere with her. So I told her, I said, my doctor may take me off this drug or I may die on this drug, but I would never quit this drug because that's just not how I'm wired. I mean, we're all going to experience pain in our lives and it doesn't have to be cancer like mine. It could be you flunk a test at school, you break up with your boyfriend or girlfriend, or you have a fender bender on the way to work. We're all going to experience darkness, pain. Pain is inevitable. Suffering, on the other hand, that's optional. That's what you do with that pain. If you want to wallow in it and sit down there and be in the gunk, that's up to you. But if you want to use that pain and make you a stronger and more determined individual, you can do that. Or you can choose to be miserable. I just choose to be on the side of being happy with whatever time I have left. Mm, That's so beautiful. I love that you have those. Could you repeat number three again? Because I'm writing that down as... You're probably the people that are listening, you can't see this, but Allison got her posted so she can put it on her computer. And so now you're impacting me and you're going to impact the other people that, that hear this. So what is number three again? Number three is what you leave behind is what you weave in the hearts of other people. I love that. that I is- mean, I think that's a good one, especially for people who, you know, kind of at the end game, you know, what are people going to say about you at your funeral? You know, would your ancestors be proud of the life that you've lived? And, you know, if you think about that stuff now, 
while you have time to make changes, you can if you want to. I mean, if you don't care that people think you were a jerk at your, you know, I mean, right? I, I, not, not that I think that's that, that's the case in any way, but you know, if you don't like the way you're going to end, you have time to make that change now. And I love that. And you know, I I do that um, activity. I actually have that activity. I don't remember which book it is in that I have written, but I feel like that activity of like, okay, what do you want people to say about you at your funeral? And then how do you start showing up today as that person? Like what decisions do you make in order to be in alignment with who you want to be? Because I, you know, I've had such amazing mentors and, and just family members that I've lost. And I think about the legacy that they left on my heart and they're with me every day. Right. And that's the type of person that I think we all want to aspire to be, but understanding that your actions, behaviors, and decisions today will impact how you're able to leave that legacy. That's a beautiful thing. Oh, wow. We went deep quickly, friends. Congratulations. Go Terry. It's only 30 minutes. We got to go deep early. Let's just do it. I love that. I know our, our listeners will absolutely get so much value out of this. You've done so many different things, right? In so many different industries. So how has your past helped you be passionate about what you get to do today? Or how has it led you to what you aspire to help motivate and inspire and empower people today? Yeah, I mean, I think I can go back all the way to high school when I had three knee surgeries, you know, and at that point in my life, basketball was the only success I'd had. So when I had these knee surgeries, my brain started kicking in with, you know, hey, you're probably not as good as you used to be. You're probably a step slower or coaches aren't going to want to recruit you to play in college and things like that. So I quickly learned that I needed to turn that narrative into something positive. Like, hey, you know, I'm still playing at an elite level and I'm still having coaches contact me and things like that. So that was really the, the, the first truth that I gave you about controlling your mind or it will control you. We all know, you know, that our brains are hardwired to avoid pain and discomfort and to seek pleasure. So anything you do that's outside the normal, you know, the status quo is good, but the status quo will never let you grow. In order to grow in your life, you got to step out. And I especially say this to young people today. If you have a passion in your heart to do something, whatever that is, and it scares you, Go ahead and do it because at the end of your life, the things that you're going to regret are going to be the thing, not the things that you did. They're going to be the things that you didn't do. And by then it's going to be too late to go ahead and do those things. Oh my gosh. Yes. All of that. I was, I was high-fiving Terry through the technology, um, my friends. So I, and I, and I love how you touched on um, this idea that our brains are hardwired to just really stay in that comfort zone, right? And and so a lot of times when I'm thinking about it in my own life, or if I'm teaching it from stage or training, I think, okay, so think about like jumping way outside your comfort zone. What's the scariest, most audacious thing that you could do right now that just absolutely makes you frightened almost? Not like you're going to get killed or hurt or anything like that, but like way outside your comfort zone. And just little by little, you're going to take action toward that thing to become the person who can achieve that goal. So how in your life have you found that, you know, those little things have, have led you to success or getting, getting you to that next level? Well, I remember when I was in the police academy, the defensive tactics instructor that we had used to have us bring a photograph to class of the people that we loved the most. And while we were learning different techniques to 
to defend ourselves, we were to look at that photograph because he reasoned that you would fight harder for the people you loved than you would fight for yourself. So he wanted you to realize that at three o'clock in the morning when you're dealing with some drunk guy who pulls out a knife, that this is bigger than you. That, you know, this is part of, there are people at home, whether it's a spouse, whether it's mom or dad or, or kids or something like that, that want you to come home. And I guess really what that's about is, is being part of something that's bigger than yourself. And, you know, for me, it was, it was my family. And, and I know there, without a doubt, I'd, I'd be dead right now if it hadn't been for my family, the things they did. I, I recall a, a story when I had had my second surgery at MD Anderson and I was released to go home and I had 40 staples in my, basically in my groin, from my thigh up through my groin and into my abdomen from the, the tumors that were, t- or the uh, lymph nodes that were taken out. And I got home and I had to get through, you know, the house up to the bedroom. And I, I had not, like an idiot, I had not taken pain medication before I left the hospital. So I made it through the first three stairs from the garage to the kitchen. And then I had to get up seven stairs to a landing and then seven more stairs upstairs. And I, I got to the landing and my leg felt like it was on fire. It was just pulling and pinching. And I said to my daughter, who was 15 at the time, I said, "Honey, I need to sit down. I need to relax. Now, at the time, I was six foot eight, 240 pounds. And she was like, absolutely not. She knew if I sat down, there was absolutely no way I would, they would get me up. So she grabbed my shirt from the front and my wife kind of pushed from the back and they got me up the stairs. And after I thought about that story, I thought about who in your life is pushing or pulling you towards your goals? Or maybe more importantly, who, who are you pushing and pulling toward their goals. I mean, it was such a a simple act that they did, but they realized that if I sat down, there was no way I was going to make it to where I needed to go. They actually just took the initiative, grabbed me literally by my clothes and just pulled me up the stairs. Who are you doing that to in your life? Mm, What a beautiful story. And I love that image of thinking about all of us have our own challenges or obstacles. And, and if you can picture yourself surrounded by these people that love you and believe in you, even sometimes more than you believe in yourself, because we all have good days and we have bad days and we have challenging things that come up and obstacles that arise. But if you can surround yourself with those people that are pulling you or pushing you and helping you and reminding you, Because, you know, I'm sure there was doubt that was in your mind or there was, you know, some sort of internal things happening while you're going up the stairs and and they were there to be like, no, we're going to go. Let's do it. And that's a beautiful illustration of of the types of people we need to to be surrounding us. Terry, what's your main passion or purpose in life? Right now, with whatever time I have left, and more than likely, I'm coming to the end of my life. And that's okay. People always get excited when I say that. It's okay to die. Everybody dies. Not everybody really lives. And I have lived a heck of a life. So with whatever time I have left, I'd like to put as much goodness, love, and positivity back into the world. And if I can do that, then I kind of feel my purpose now will be fulfilled. That's beautiful. That is so good. And I think, you know, when we think about putting that, you know, I, I, I've i had my own like 
health scares and I've almost died. I think now I figured it out at six times. Um, so I understand that feeling of like, okay, time is limited. And, and when we're here and we have the ability to help people or to serve people or to use our gifts and abilities, we need to show up, right? We need to show up. And so um, that's a beautiful thing. What are the two things you've done in your life to launch to the next level? I think one is I've realized that I could do so much more than I ever thought I could do. You know, that, that I, I had, when I started this journey, I had limited myself. You know, it's, they gave me five years. And so you're like, well, you know, I, I've got five years left. Well, if, if you start listening to what everybody else, all the junk and everything that, that's out there with people, I, I, I think that, you know, you're definitely going to limit yourself. So, that, so that's one thing. And, and then the second thing was, is I've learned that I could do so much more than I ever thought I could do once you take those limits off. I wrote a book last year. I, I, I had my leg amputated in April of 2020. I, had, I started chemotherapy for the tumors in my lungs in June of 2020. And during that three-month period where I probably should have been sitting around watching Netflix and healing, I wrote a book. Mm. And it was it was a book that I was excited about. It was a book. It's called Sustainable Excellence, The Ten Principles to Living Your Uncommon and Extraordinary Life. And when it was released, I was all excited. I was like, you know, I got to sell books. I got to sell books. And I had a best-selling author over in the UK who I'd connected with on LinkedIn kind of pull me aside, you know, electronically and said, Terry, you're, you're missing the point. Your job is not to sell books. Your job is to help people. If you help people, your books will sell themselves. And I was so glad he said that to me because I didn't write the book to make money or to get famous or do anything like that. I did write the book to help people. And at this point in time, you know, I I don't care about selling the book. I care about helping people and the book will end up selling itself. And it is. So, I mean, I think that's something that, you know, that was a three month period of time where it should have been healing. And people are like, you wrote a book. Yeah, I wrote a book. You can too. I'm not any different. There's no S on my chest. I do not wear a cape. So, you know, the things that I'm talking about are not things that are, you know, only Superman can do. No, anybody can do these things. You just got to decide you want to do it. Love it. Yes. And I think that decision is something that holds a lot of people up. Deciding that they are on unlimitless, like they can go to that next level. They can do that next thing. A lot of times, you know, we hold ourselves back or perhaps we share that crazy, huge goal or dream with somebody that we love and they don't see that in us yet. Right. Like we have a dream, but then we share it. So what would you say to our listeners? We're like, yeah, Terry, I completely understand you like logically, but emotionally, I just, it's hard for me to take that next step because I'm doubting myself or I'm feeling fear or I'm maybe I don't have those supporters around me. What would you say to them? Fear is a great motivator. My passion was to be a policeman. And my dad, as I said, had my whole life planned out. His his grandfather was a Chicago policeman from 1924 to 1954. So he was involved in prohibition and the gangs and Al Capone and all that stuff. And was actually shot in the line of duty with his own gun. It wasn't a serious injury. He was shot in the ankle. But my dad remembered the stories my grandmother told about the knock on the door of Mrs. Tucker, please grab your son. Your husband's been shot. Come with us. And he was like, absolutely not. That's not what you're going to do. You're going to do this. Unfortunately, my dad was sick when I graduated from college. And so I went into business 
But business was not my passion. Law enforcement was. And so I, I kind of sort of joked that I did what every good son did. I waited till my father passed away and then I followed my dreams. And that's somewhat of a joke. But if my dad hadn't been sick, I'm sure it would have come to a head. It's like, dad, this is the life you want me to lead. This is the life I was born to lead. Please let me lead my life. Please let me do the things, the passion that I have in my heart. So again, I'll go back to what I said earlier. If you have a passion for something in your heart, in your soul that you want to do and it scares you, go ahead and do it. Because I mean, I was a 37-year-old rookie police officer. So I didn't start when I was young. I started when I was older. But I'll tell you, it was the best job I ever had. And I couldn't wait to get up and go to work in the morning. What a great message. And I think that's so important for each and every one of us to understand. I went into engineering because of that same thing. My grandpa wanted me to be an engineer. So my entire childhood, I grew up hearing about how I was going to become a civil engineer just like him. And so I went to engineering college. And after two years, I recognized that it wasn't my path, right? It didn't really fit with who I was. I did well. Um, and I think it, it was a great education for me to think like I do now. But, you know, if I would have been following my dream or my heart, I know that it would have been, it would have led me in a different direction. Now I own businesses, which I was like completely against. I'm like, no, I'm going to be an engineer. I'm going to be an engineer. But, you know, I feel like the big guy has a better plan for us than we even know. And just letting that, letting God lead us in the direction that we need to go rather than saying, you know what, I'm going to rely on somebody else's view of what they think I should do. Yeah. And and one of the impetuses for me for writing the book was a a conversation I'd had with a former player of mine who had moved to Colorado near where my wife and I are. And, and we'd had dinner with her and her boyfriend. And I said to her, you know, I'm really excited that you're, you're kind of close here and I can watch you find and live your purpose. And she got real quiet for a while. And then she looked at me and she's like, well, coach, what do you think my purpose is? I said, I don't know what your purpose is, but that's what your life should be about. Your life should be about finding that purpose. And then when you find it, you should live it. And, you know, she was like, well, what if I don't have enough time? And I said, I can't believe that a God, you know, that created you in the image and likeness and created you in love that knew all your dumb, stupid, ignorant, sinful things and put, still put you on this earth to do something would not give you the time to do it, providing you continue to search for that purpose with an open heart. And I reminded her, I said, you know, some people know exactly what they're going to do. You know, maybe you had gone down the right. I'm going to be an engineer. I always know I'm going to be an engineer. I'm going to be an engineer. Some people know they're going to take over the family business, but many of us don't know what we're going to do. And we need to search for that. And I reminded her that Colonel Sanders, who started Kentucky Fried Chicken, didn't start that franchise until he was retired and in his 60s. I said, you know, can you imagine? I don't know if that was his purpose. I'm going to assume it was. But can you imagine if that was his purpose? And when he was 30, he threw up his hands and said, no, I'm comfortable right where I am. I'm going to stay here. Those are the people that are dead. They just haven't fallen over yet. Because if you're not moving forward, if you're not growing, then you're dying. And you might as well just go ahead and get in the grave. So don't worry about, I'm not going to have enough time. Just keep searching. And if you get up in the morning and you're passionate and you can't wait to go to work, and it doesn't have to be a job. It could be something entirely different. Whatever that passion is, find it and live it, because more than likely that's your purpose. Yes. Mic drop moment there, Terry. That was awesome. And I think, you know, in my own journey of going towards my passion and purpose um, and, and kind of what you said, what you said with um, when you would wake up every day excited, inspired and energized by the work that you do, knowing that 
even if you got paid nothing, you would still show up because you love it so much. That's, you know, as soon as I started to do that type of work and recognizing that like my purpose is really to help empower people and to help them launch to that next level and just continuing to, to each and every day, wake up with that purpose and understand that that's, that's what you're here to do. That's a beautiful thing. And, and, and I love that you said many of us don't know, and it's okay. It doesn't matter your age or your experience or anything. Start looking now because, you know, it's, it's probable that it'll show up. And so when you went back to become a police officer, how did you recognize that that's, that's the path you wanted to take? What was the decision process? Or did you just always know it and you just were denying it? I, I always knew it. And, you know, the funny part was that, you know, my wife and I've been married for a couple of years and she married me when I was a, you know, suit and tie kind of eight to five Monday through Friday hospital administrator. And, you know, one night at dinner, it's like, hey, honey, um, I, I'd kind of like to do this. And I did it sort of, you know, I sort of put my toe in the water. We were living in Santa Barbara, California, and I, and I took a class at the college and I became a reserve police officer. So I just worked on the weekends. But she used to always say that, you know, you'd work all week at your regular job and then Friday night, get in your uniform, go out, work all night as a policeman and come home Saturday morning exhausted, but with this big grin on your face. And she knew right then and there when we moved to Cincinnati, Ohio, and I said, honey, I want to do this full time. She was like, you know what, if that's your passion, go ahead and do it. And she's been great about supporting me. And I like to think that I've been great about supporting her too. And, you know, again, it goes back to family being number one. Beautiful. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Cause I think that's important for us to all know is like, what, what puts a smile on your face? What makes your heart happy? Those are the things that we need to pursue in our lives. So Terry, I could talk to you all day long. You have so much to share that's motivating and inspiring and exciting all at the same time. Um, but we need to end. So how do people get a hold of you? So if you want to send me an email, it's motivationalcheck at AOL.com. But I have a website called Motivational Check, and uh, it, it has my social media links. It has links on how to get to my book. I also put up a thought for the day. So, uh, and, and then on Mondays, I put the Monday morning motivational message up. Sometimes it's a video. Sometimes it's a story. And I know people are busy. So, you need a quick shot of motivation or inspiration. Go there. Get on with your day. The videos are short. The stories are short. Obviously, the, the sayings are short. But MotivationalCheck.com will pretty much get you to me. Yes. And I can honestly say I was just like scrolling through all of the motivation right before I had this interview. And I was so excited because the messages that you share are uplifting and they're so positive and so inspirational. So thank you for doing that. So thank you, Terry, for being a guest on the launch podcast. I appreciate you and your expertise and how you're serving the world to all of our listeners. Oh my gosh, just support Terry, buy his book, make sure that you send him a message, let him know how inspirational and encouraging he is and how he has helped you just reevaluate your life today. Thanks again and have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Launch Podcast. I'm Allison Little, and I'm so excited that you spent your time with me. Look for future episodes and connect with me on social media or at my website at www.allisonlittle.com. 